It's a dog cast, episode number 83, Georgia, Kentucky, pregame. Hey, dog fans, it's the Dogcast, episode number 83, your worldwide service, your best source on the internet for dog talk. Hell, for some of you, it's your only source for dog talk. Old dog, we're back in the bunker, man. We're back, uh, back from Jacksonville safely. Are you ready to take on the Kentucky Wildcats this week? One more time. One more time, man. I tell you what, it's going to be a big game, man. And, um, you know, Kentucky is a very hungry team. But listen, I want to get your opinion on something before we get the show started. I want to know what you think. The SEC this week uh, sent a letter to the University of South Carolina asking them to stop playing that loud chicken crow or whatever it is they do, the rooster crowing thing. On every third down, it's like their rally cry, you know. And they 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 asked that they asked South Carolina to stop playing that on third down, stop playing it so often. I think they in fact limited the number of times they have to play that each game. The number game. of times South Carolina fans can play with their cock. Exactly. Oh Lord. I know they're they're hit. Man. <laughs> so here's my question for you: Do you think? What do you think about artificial fan support, you know, during the game by the PA system? If the if somebody on the PA system, and here's why I'm saying this, because if somebody on the PA system has to tell the fans when to cheer, to me that means the fans are lazy. You know, if you have you have a band, you can let the band play. Whoa, okay? whoa, whoa, now, 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 now slow down. What? What are cheerleaders for? No, that's different. Cheerleaders, well, the band—that's one thing. Other than other than looking good, cheerleaders are useless at the game. I understand what you're saying, but I'm talking and about male, and male cheerleaders are just—I don't know. Well, here, here's my real point, old dog. More specifically, okay, let's get to it. And dog fans, that you haven't—if you haven't been to the game this year—just try to follow me here. We got this thing with the red towels. We've been talking about the red towels, you know. And this year, old dog, every, on every big third down or whenever we need to play, they—they they put these little video snippets up on the board. You got Will Witherspoon and Herschel Walker doing his raise the roof thing, which personally I think is a little bit embarrassing for Herschel. But what do you think about artificial? crowd support like those red towel videos will witherspoon telling you to get them up and the cock crowing and all that stuff on the pa what do you think about that stuff well i actually think it's it's two totally different things uh the the towel thing is just absolutely ridiculous okay and whoever thought of that should be taken over across east campus road dragged up across the tracks, into the cemetery, and just shot. Because it is probably the most stupid thing I have ever seen 
the University of Georgia try to do next to family-friendly tailgating zones. Okay, both I of mean, which were Michael Adams' ideas, by the way. Right. You know, I mean, we are not we are not known for waving towels. Uh, I don't know why Georgia is endorsing terry cloth. I mean, you know, it's just it, the whole thing is absolutely ridiculous. But what about uh, the videos on the scoreboard? The vi- I mean, you know, they paid them to do it. Uh, you know, I hate to see Herschel and some of these other guys doing it. They were asked to do it, and they thought maybe they were contributing. They probably didn't think. But the whole waving of the towel is stupid, and I think it's pretty much gone the way of the family-friendly tailgating zone. It's pretty much a non-factor. Now, as far as if they wanted to play a dog barking over the PA system yeah. for a big third down right. stand or something, yeah. man, I'd be all for that. I think that's cool. And as far as the cock crowing, man, let Carolina play their cock as much as they want to. <laughs> if they want to do it between every down, that's fine. I'm all for Mississippi State ringing their cowbells, even if the people have to sneak them in. Well, see, that's done by the fans. I'm totally cool with that, too. I mean, I think and, those and cowbells I'm, are and awesome. I'm okay, and I'm okay with playing with playing the, the cock crowing over the PA system. All right. I mean, it, to me, it's really no different, you know, than when stadiums held 30,000 people and you had a guy with a megaphone yelling, take that ball away, hey, Take that ball away! Hey, <laughs> that was when you—you know—that's that's back right, when you that started was, going to football games. Right, that's when I graduated. All you right, know, I mean it's just you know to me, but but it's two different things. Okay, one is just simply you know trying to motivate the fans to get up and cheer. The other is just waving of the towels is just you know something stupid thought up by a dumbass. Okay, point taken. Now. Let's move on to the Kentucky game. Big game this week, Kentucky versus Georgia. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff, Eastern Standard Time. It's going to be blacked out on TV, old dog. There's going to be no TV coverage at all, and um, we're going to have to listen to it by, month, by way of Munson. You know, you guys that don't have Munson, you could, you know, roll the dice and try G-Extra. Of course, that's only about a 20% success rate on the uh, UGA website there. But most of us are going to be listening by Munson. What's your thoughts on this game this week, man? We've hey, we had some injuries this week, by the way. You know, Martrez Milner. Before I let before I let you get off on a rant, old dog. You know, Martrez Milner's been sat down, and Momass blew his hamstring and will not be in the game this week. So Momass and Martrez Milner both out for this game, or both. You know, Milner's not out for the game, but I don't think he's. Oh, Milner, Milner, Milner will see about fifty percent of the offensive play. Right. Uh Momass, I think it's probably a good thing. This has been a horrible year for him. Uh, let's hope it's just kind of a sophomore jinx. Uh, he's not going to play the rest of the season, and that's probably a good thing. You know, shut it down. Stop the get, bleeding. Hopefully, hopefully get, get this out right. of his mind and come back strong. Uh, you know, I mean, I think the kid's got talent. Uh, he showed it as a freshman, and I don't know what happened to him this year. Let's just hope this year is kind of an abomination and uh, that when he comes back in the junior year, you know, he's going to be the kind of receiver we thought he was, uh, you know, when we got him out of Charlotte. 
Also, you know, Chester Adams is not going to make the trip, so that's another offensive lineman that we're going to be short. Michael Turner is going to step up and play the hole for him. Well, you know, we, we got to. And I tell you, you know, before we get into any specifics, uh, I think this is really the kind of game that's going to show, uh, you know, it's going to define this team and show what they're all about. I mean, we have sucked against Vanderbilt. We played very, very poorly against Mississippi State. Uh, we showed some heart in the Florida game, and I hope that we've got the kind of team that's going to take the field in Lexington, Kentucky, and show the same kind of heart that they had that second half against the University of Florida and get out there and whip the Wildcats like they need to be whipped. Well, you know, uh, but, but Kentucky's what, never right a now, kind place for us. Lexington's well, never and, been and good right for now us. now it can go either way. You're right. It, it's 50-50. Uh, you know, I mean, we've, we've showed some flashes, and, uh, you know, I think this is a, you know, this is going to show if we're, uh, if we've got a, if we've got a team or, or just a bunch of guys that are, are laying down and quitting. Well, I think you're right about that. This is a huge game. We've never been, we've, we haven't recently had good luck going to Lexington and coming off of a loss at Florida is only going to raise the stakes for the dogs this weekend. We definitely need to come out. I mean, we've lost three out of four last games, you know, how often do we come off of a loss against Florida? Into uh, the next game. About 15 out of 17 years, yeah. 15 out of 17 years there, old dog. Thanks for uh, bringing that up. But uh, here's the bottom line about the, the Kentucky Wildcats. They are, as you know, old dog, a little more explosive on offense than Vanderbilt. They have a little better offense than Vanderbilt does. But on defense, they are really pretty bad. As far as total defense goes, out of 119 teams in Division One, they're ranked 118. They have the worst defense, basically the worst defense in the country. Well, and they're, kind of like Colorado, huh? Yeah, kind of like Colorado. Oh, and they're particularly okay. bad, particularly bad against the pass. So I'm hoping that Matthew Stafford is going to be licking his chops, especially with the fact that he doesn't have to worry about Milner dropping passes. He doesn't have to worry about Momass dropping passes. I'm going to call a key to victory this, this coming weekend. It's for Martrez Milner to get the ball down. I mean, for Matthew Stafford, excuse me. Matthew Stafford to get the ball downfield to guys like Kenneth Harris and A.J. Bryant, D'Amico Goodman, those guys, because they're going to get more snaps this weekend. And well, let's I, throw my boy Michael Moore into the mix. Hey, Michael Moore? You know, if he's he's cut down some weight, he's not making any documentaries. I mean, I, I tell you, he's changed color, and uh, when he's not busting Republican chops, he's a hell of a receiver. Hell of a receiver. And Mikey Henderson might get in the game some this weekend, too. So, you know, I, we definitely need to get the ball downfield. We need to exploit their weakness on offense. And uh, I look forward to trying to turn this thing into a track meet, you know. I would love to score 38 points. Old Dog, do you think the dogs have got 38 points in them? No. I Against anybody? No. Man. Absolutely not. I don't think the dogs have 38 points in against your seven-year-old team that you coach. Oh, man. i tell you what. Well, we are available. And, and, I don't know, and, and I don't know why you would think they do either. Because, please, stay on the planet and stay in reality. <laughs> we do not have an offensive line. And without an offensive line, we are going to struggle against every team 
we play. Listen, hope springs eternal, old dog. I just hope, man. I want them to put it together, you know? I want them to put it together against this awful defense. And I'm ho- I'm just hoping this is the week. Well, I mean, I think what we need to do is look and uh you know, you were saying they they've kind of been hot and cold on offense. Uh they've had three games where they haven't scored 14 points. And then they've had I think four or five games where they've scored over 38. Another thing that I think and hopefully this is a rallying cry, when was the last time that the University of Georgia was somebody's homecoming game? I know. I mean, we are damn Kentucky's homecoming game. Not only did if we lose, else, we lost our homecoming else, game. If nothing else, that should be enough to fire you up. Damn right. Uh, I tell you, they, you know, looking at the offense of Kentucky, Kentucky does not run the ball well at all. Well, you know, they're uh, missing their number one running back. Their number one running back's hurt, out. Their number two running back is marginal. So, yeah, they're not going to run the ball. But they are completing well over 50% of their passes. They've got a, you know, kind of a typical Kentucky quarterback, very similar to old Jared Lorenzen, the Pillsbury throw boy. This kid is, you know, 6'5", like 280 or so. And, uh, you know, he's completing like 62% of his passes. And, uh, you know, we are not the best covering team in the world. What I would like to see us do, because time after time, so far this season, against very marginal teams, we have proven that given a quarterback enough time, we cannot cover their receivers. Absolutely. So I think one of the keys to victory will continue to, you know, let's bring the heat on this guy. Uh, you know, rushing three people and dropping eight back, they're still going to get open. And so far this season, that hadn't worked. So I hope and pray that Willie Martinez, who did an adequate job against the University of Florida, has a game plan, A, where we're not going to play the same defensive scheme from the first quarter all the way through the fourth, where we're going to disguise a little bit of what we're doing, and we are not going to rely on our coverage to keep Kentucky from scoring. We need to put heat on this guy. We need to put him on his butt because the best way this year for us to make sure that an opponent's receiver does not catch a pass is to have the quarterback on the ground with the ball still in his hand. I couldn't have said it better, old dog. We've got to bring pressure on this guy, and we've got to contain him as a running threat. I mean, he is a running threat, and he can throw. Like you said, he can definitely throw. Yeah, but he's not. You know, he he's not like the he's he's he, not he's a not a water quarterback. Bug. No, he's not I mean, an athletic uh, running back. No, I mean he'll scramble around, and you know, at that size, he's tough to bring down. And you know, given our penchant for not being able to tackle people, uh, you know, that may be a problem. Although uh, you sound thing, a little bitter, my friend. You're sounding a little bitter tonight. Are you just are you like in permanently pissed off mode right now? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. I uh you know We can't I, I think tackle beat Kentucky, but I do want to put a little fire under their butts. And again, I think this is gonna be a defining game, not only for the team but for the coaching staff. Well, Willie Martinez, there's your marching orders, buddy. I know you're listening to the show. Old Dog is laying it down for you. Can we please put some pressure on this quarterback and get him while he still has the ball in his hand? That's got to be our number one key to the victory. Old Dog. Well, and it's, it's interesting that you bring up Coach Martinez 
as a defensive guy and the offense of Kentucky that has been led, it is being led this year by the former offensive coordinator and quarterback coach from the University of Tennessee, the lunatic Randy Sanders. <laughs> and that but, is his official name, the lunatic Randy Sanders. But I will say this, and Randy Sanders, and he absolutely knew the situation. Look at, look at Tennessee last year. Look at Tennessee this year. Randy Sanders was man enough to realize he was the problem and quit. Right. And, and Willie Martinez, you need to take a page out of Randy Sanders' book. Man, old dog. Coach Martinez, oh. you are the problem, and you need to quit. Boy, old dog, do you realize you just took a page. You just recommended Randy Sanders to Willie Martinez. You know, man, that took a, that took a lot. Of, I bet that took a lot out of you there to recommend that anything that Randy Sanders did was a good idea. Well, what I'm saying is, I know. What I'm saying is, is, is you know, Randy Sanders was man enough to do the and, right and thing. And I mean, believe me, Randy Sanders is wound about five notches tighter than any human being I've ever seen. <laughs> but I will, but I will say this for him. In his credit, he was man enough to realize he was the problem. He was the reason Tennessee was not performing. He was man enough to say, I, "I'm no good for this team." I'm a detriment, and I need to move on. Right. And I hope Coach Martinez can do the same. Wow. Well, man, I tell you what, I didn't see that coming, old dog. I definitely did not see that one coming. But I do agree with you, and I hope that uh, and, Coach uh, Martinez and, and is and man enough to and do I'm the right throw, thing. And I'm going to throw Neil Callaway in the same uh, in the same basket there. Ooh, wow. But but this is this is fodder for after season after right. season shows. Let's talk about a lot of we've got a lot of problems and let's get back to the game at hand. Our second key to the victory. Old dog, we've had ten turnovers. Ten turnovers in two weeks. We've had twenty two turnovers on the year. Twenty two turnovers on the year and ten of them have come in the last two games. Do you think that it's going to be important for us to limit turnovers this weekend? Well, th- there's no doubt about it, and I think we kind of need to look, you know, especially in the Florida game, at, uh, you know, some of the turnovers and the way they went. Uh, one of um, one of Stafford's turnovers, Florida just absolutely baited him in to throwing a pass. Absolutely. And being young and inexperienced, he didn't read the defense, didn't see what was coming, and bam, they did it. Uh the other interception he threw, you know, I'm not going to beat a dead horse to death, but there was interference on Trip Chandler. I mean, you know, that should have never happened. Right. And, uh, you know, as far as his fumble goes, uh, you know, that's squarely on the offensive line. Uh, you know, he was, you know, he got a hit from the back, and you got to be able to protect your quarterback. Especially on the not, back side. At least have a voice loud enough to yell, uh, you know, I blew it. Knock your ass to the ground. I blew it exactly. Well, that's my number two key to the victory. We've got to limit turnovers, and no doubt. And and then after that, I really want to see Trip Chandler and Kenneth Harris and those guys, D'Amico Goodman. We need those guys to step up. We need all the ball handlers. Danny Ware, 
heaven help me for saying this, Danny Ware is going to be returning kickoffs this week. But And Kenneth, you know, um, Craig Lumpkin's going to be running. Kenneth Harris is going to start. We need the ball handlers to protect the ball and move the ball upfield. And, you know, lastly, old dog, we need to return to this Kentucky game with the same intensity that we that are on our defense that we left the Florida game with. You know, we started oh, to see some flashes of intensity out of the defense at the end of the Florida game where the, some guys actually seemed to be caring, like when they put the wood to, to Tim Tebow, you know. And we've got to continue that for the rest of the season. Well, I would love, I would love to see every player on the defense play with the same intensity Tony Taylor did that game mm-hmm. and a couple of games before. Mm-hmm. And as as shaky as we are on kick returns, let's hope that Danny Ware only gets to touch the ball one time yeah. on a kick return. Exactly, the, whichever half they kick off, and that'll be the only right. kickoff they have. And uh, you know, and my hope is I would love to see our kick coverage team. Uh, you know, cover kicks like we did the last two that we did in Florida. Right. Uh, but, you know, again, there, you know, for a lot of our woes, there's no quick fix. Uh, we just need to go in. We need to play with a lot of emotion. Uh, you know, on paper, we're 10 times better than Kentucky. If we play Georgia football, we play Georgia football the second half against Florida. We need to continue it on against Kentucky. We need to bring it down to the Plains and Auburn, and we need to rest a week, and then we need to slap it to the Yellow Jackets. Hey, it sounds like a good plan to me, old dog. I got one more thing. Before we go to the break, old dog, and I don't I didn't want to start on a rant here because you already said we we're going to save this for later, but you're talking about quick fixes and the way Mark Rick approaches recruiting for the offensive line. You and I were talking about this the other day. You know, we're in a position now where we're going to have almost as many quarterbacks on the staff as we do have offensive linemen, which is ridiculous. But just today, Coach Rick did finally say that he believes he's going to be forced to moderate his policy on recruiting junior college offensive linemen. And without saying so much, because it would be against NCAA rules, he's pretty much saying – He's got his eye on two junior college offensive linemen that he's going to bring in kind of as a Band-Aid, you know, to have some maturity on that offensive line for next year. Because as you've noted so succinctly, our offensive line next year stands to be even worse than the one this year. And I just want to let you know that Coach Rick is aware of it and is looking outside the program to find some JUCO players to transfer in. That's got to be – that's pretty positive, eh? Uh, yes and no. I mean, um, I hate that we have to do it, but it is positive that he's at least thinking about it. Well, and and again, and we will do a whole show, and I know the fans are just all a Twitter about this on offensive line after the season goes. <laughs> yes. But, you know, Coach Rick saying he's going to do this and he's going to do that. The problem is with Neil Callaway. He is our offensive line coach. He's the only coach we have. That is, he he solely gives these scholarships to these players. Mm-hmm. He's the only coach, position coach we have that has the authority or whatever you want to call it to go out and recruit these guys and offer a scholarship without, you know, I get permission in the right word, but whatever you want to call it. Uh, and he has done a crappy, crappy job. 
I mean, you know, the the only offensive lineman we've had that's been worth a damn that this group has recruited is Max Gene Gillis. Yeah, you're right. But like you said, old dog, let's save that for our recruiting shows. I just want to let you know that Coach Rick did moderate his position on JUCO players. All right, listen, and, and I'm glad, and I'm glad he's done that. But he needs to look a little bit deeper. The problem is with his coaching staff. I hear you. Let's take a break, old dog, and come back. I got something fun for you after the break. So we'll be right back with the Larry Munson drinking game. Your construction smells of corruption. I manipulate to recreate this air to go around saga. Gotta launder my karma. Okay, old dog, we're back from the break, and as we stated earlier in the show, this is going to be a 1 p.m. kickoff this week, and it is going to be a TV blackout game. So a lot of people, a lot of Dogcast listeners are going to be listening to this on the radio, courtesy of Larry Munson, the voice of the dogs. 40 years he's been the voice of the dogs. I love Larry Munson. I know you love Larry Munson. We think he might have lost a step over the past few years, especially in the optimism department, but still... There's nobody I would probably rather be listening to other than me and you calling the game. Absolutely. And when Larry steps down, we're going to be there. Damn right. But here is something for you fans, you guys that are going to be listening to the game this weekend on the radio, something just to kind of amp the game up a little bit, okay? Give you a little extra something. This is the Larry, these are the rules to the Larry Munson drinking game, old dog. Are you are you ready? Number one, when Larry says get the picture now, everyone has to do a shot to start the game. Okay. Number two, the first time Larry says, "Lauren, what do you got?" Everybody must reply, "Well, Larry," and they have to do it in a high pitched voice. The last one who says, "Well, Larry," becomes the Lauren, and he must say, "I got a drink." And then every time Larry says, what do you got? The Lauren has to drink. That's for the first half. Now, at the start of the second half, Lauren gets to say, I got a drink for, and he gets to give a drink every time Larry says, what do you got? <laughs> and every time he does it, he's got to do it in the high-pitched Lauren Smith voice. Okay? Number three. 
If the real Lauren Smith tells a story that has nothing to do with the game, like how much a player loves his mama, or how a Girl Scout troop cooks s'mores for the team, or maybe about a hunting trip he took to Alaska, everybody drinks one drink. Okay? Number four. If Lauren actually says something useful, like telling what's wrong with an injured player, everybody drinks three. But that's not going to happen very often, so that's not too no. too dangerous of a rule. Every time that Larry Munson exaggerates a figure, whether it's yardage or the speed of the wind or how big the opposing team is or how cold it is, everybody drinks two. A good example of this would be, he kicked it up past the moon, or the wind's blowing 100 miles an hour, or it's fourth down and 27 miles to go. And the entire state of Kentucky is rising up against it. (laughs) Okay, number six. The first time Larry bemoans how much trouble the dogs are in, when they're clearly in control of the game, everybody has to drink too. An example would be the dogs are up 31 to 0, but they've got UAB or somebody like that, and UAB's got a fast little tailback, and you know he can explode for just a thousand yards at any minute. Every time Larry talks about how much trouble the dogs are in, everybody drinks one. And if by consensus the group decides that the dogs actually are in trouble, then the Lauren drinks two. Now, rule number seven every time Larry says, There's no time. Everybody drinks one. If more than five minutes are left in the game when Larry first says there's no time left on the clock, everybody (laughs) drinks two. If there's more than ten minutes left on the clock when Larry says there's no time left, everybody drinks three. And if more than a quarter remains when Larry says there's no time left, everybody has to do a shot of tequila. Okay? (laughs) Rule number eight, every time Scott Howard interrupts Larry, everybody drinks one. Every time Larry talks about the fans coming into or going out of the stadium, everybody drinks one. Every time Larry mentions the officials, everybody drinks one. Number 11, every time Larry says, watch him call it, everybody drinks three. If the game ends on a spectacular play and Larry has to say something like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, and then there's nothing for like a minute, and you think Larry might have died in the booth, everyone drinks, everybody has one drink for each time God, Larry shouts God. If Georgia beats Florida, everybody drinks a toast to the dogs. That's kind of a, we, we kind of missed that rule. So we didn't beat Florida. But anyway, hey, next rule. If Larry ever says hobnail boot again, everybody pours their drink into a boot and the Lauren drinks it. (laughs) If at the end of the game, Larry says, old lady luck smiled on us, everyone has to toast old lady luck and drinks a shot. And here's the last rule. Anyone in the room not pulling for the dogs must double the amount of drinks taken at any one time. And if there are any Florida fans in the room, they must triple it. And since Tech fans are total wusses and they don't drink, they have to substitute by getting punched in the head by the Lauren. Well, they shouldn't even be in the room. Exactly. And those are the rules to the Larry Munson drinking game. Let me throw one more in if I can. Go ahead, man. If any time 
Larry describes one of our running backs charging for the goal line and relates that to Secretariat turning the bend and running for the finish line, you drink five. <laughs> I hear you. Absolutely, man. I tell you what, I love that game, man. I love the whole thing about if he sets hobnail boot, everybody pours their drink into a boot and the Lauren has to drink it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, listen, all right. Well, let's hope Larry gets to say something like Gene Washington running down the sideline thinking of Montreal and the Olympics. <laughs> Okay, I've got one more thing on a on a semi serious note, old dog. You know, we've we've already plugged Coach Rick and the Liberty Mutual Coach of the Year award, and I'm probably going to put the link in the show notes again for that, just because you guys can vote every day. And I still love Coach Rick, and I'd like for him to see him win that award. Yeah, but I I don't think it's well, this year to vote him Coach of the Year. I know, but he's falling back. Well, he's falling off the pace too. He was leading the thing. No I think shit. now he's at. He, <laughs> He's at number three now on the list. But we do have another candidate in a national contest that we can vote for, and it's our cheerleader. Now, I know you don't like cheerleaders, old dog, but I have a soft spot for cheerleaders. I kind of dig them, and we've got a great one. Her name is Tiffany Gillespie, and she's in this national sideline spirit contest. I'm probably going to put a picture of her on the website if you guys want to see. And I've got a link that's got some more pictures of her and stuff. And uh, you get a chance to vote for her. She's doing really well. I think she's ranked like three out of ten finalists. And um, I think everybody should go and vote for her because she's doing a heck of a job on the sideline. What do you think about that, I'm, old dog? I'm sure she is. Tiffany Gillespie. Very pretty little blonde girl. Works on the sidelines for the dogs. I just want to say the best cheerleader we've ever had was James Brown. <laughs> you got that right. The Godfather of Soul singing right. the praises of our defense. Yeah. All right, old dog. Back you got anything when, back else? When we had one. You got anything else? Are we going to wrap this show up? No, let's wrap it up. I mean, you know, just I just want to reiterate. I think really this is kind of a watershed moment for this team, uh, and it's a defining moment for this team in this year. Uh, you know, they're coming off a tough loss to Florida, but they did show a whole lot more than they did in the two games leading into the Florida game. And they can either, you know, take that, even though it was a loss, and bring that kind of spirit and emotion into this game, or they can backslide and be the team that played Vanderbilt and be the team that played Mississippi State. And, uh, you know, it's totally up to them. And hopefully we're going to see the team that played Florida and not the team that lost to Vanderbilt. Uh Uh, But, you know, that's going to be up to them. Well, I want to add one more thing. You know, I know a lot of the players, and if you guys don't live in Athens, you might not have seen this, but there's an article in the Athens Banner Herald this week about how the seniors are struggling through this subpar season. This would be a great opportunity. Like you said, old dog, this game is a watershed game. This is when we try to salvage something and play with the kind of emotion we had in the Florida game, or we just go back to sucking and just blow the rest of the season out. And this would be an excellent opportunity for our seniors, like Martrez Milner, even though he's not on the field, he can still do a lot for this team from the sideline. Guys like Joe Tereshinsky, Dan Inman, Martrez Milner, Michael Turner, those guys, they're coming to the ends of their careers. 
And uh, this would be an excellent opportunity for these guys to step up and show a little senior leadership when we really need it. We've needed it all year, and we need it now more than ever. So well, seniors, and, step it up. And, too, I mean, we need to realize we, we have a couple games in the beginning of the season that, you know, are rivalry and, and big. I mean, South Carolina's a big game, and Tennessee's a big game. But there are no three games bigger than the ones we play at the end of the season. Florida, Auburn, Auburn and, and Tech. Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. And right now we're 0-1, but this team can still do something and beat those two teams and come out with a good attitude and have some Georgia pride about them. And, and I hope this team has enough gumption about them to want to win those two games and not just lay down. On that note, I tell you what, that's stirring, stirring motivational speech there, old dog. And I hope Prince Miller and Martrez Milner and all the boys take it to heart. Dog fans, we're out of here. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. You can call us on the audio comment line at 706-534-1516 or email us at dogcast at gmail.com. And I appreciate you listening. Old dog, let's give them hell up in Lexington. We're out. Let's go to the Bluegrass State, kick some Kentucky butt. Go dogs! Hey, guys. It's Tracy. Great show. Uh, appreciate the comments on the moral victory. I actually got in trouble with some friends of my girlfriend's family because after the game, somebody made the comment that it was close, and I openly stated that we're not South Carolina. We don't have moral victories, only to find out that somebody or one of her family's friends were from South Carolina, or fans of South Carolina. That went well. Anyway, uh, great show, guys. And I want to thank Old Dog for giving a shout-out to the old hometown, Brunswick, Georgia. Damn straight. We're going to let Georgia Florida thing for a long time. Anyway, see you guys.